after that one, I brought six more deals to the table. We did seven deals in one month. You're listening to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show, a podcast that discuss the intricacies of real estate investing with your host, Marcus E. Maloney. Marcus is a real estate investor best known for being the equity king. He's been awarded that moniker because he and his team find amazing real estate deals. He will be talking with investors who have done some transformational things in the real estate industry. They'll discuss their process, their strategies, and how their investments transform their lives and the communities they invest in. We welcome you to the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. Hello, welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. And on today, I have my guest, Ronald Walker, who hails from, well, he's not from Michigan, but he's in Michigan now, but he's been doing deals, you know, pretty much across the country. So uh, with that being said, we want to focus today on, and we want to talk to our newer investors that's getting started in wholesaling. We want to talk to you, give you some technical aspects on what you can do to get started. And we want to talk to Ronald about his background, how he went from doing onesie, twosie deals to doing hundreds of deals. So I don't want you to get discouraged because he went from ones and twosies to hundreds of deals. I want you to be encouraged because you can do it also just by following some of the steps that Ronald has taken. So with that being said, let's jump right in. Let's get ready. Strap on your seatbelts, get your pen, pad, notebooks. Let's take some notes because we always want you to be prepared to take action after each episode. So Ronald, man, welcome to the show. How are you? Marcus, my man, I'm doing really good. Thank you so much for that warm introduction. I'm excited to jump in, man. I understand what the journey looks like. You say not getting discouraged. A lot of times this is a mind game, right? It's more a mind game than anything else, right? If we can get our mind right, we can jump in. And so guys, I'm excited to unpack my story. If I can do it, anybody here can do it, right? It's just one deal at a time. And then it's about creating consistency and figuring out how do we create that system? What does that look like? So Marcus, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm excited, man. All right. So man, you're welcome. Completely welcome. So kind of tell us, Ronald, what was your backstory? What did you do prior to real estate? Because I know you've been doing this for about a decade now. So what were you doing before real estate? So before real estate, I started off and I got the entrepreneur bug when I was real little. And actually, the bug came and then I realized I didn't want to be an entrepreneur because I grew up, my dad was an entrepreneur. I grew up in the asphalt maintenance business. I literally would, I would sleep in on the paver while we were paving roads. Wow. And I early on, man, realized this was not for me. Like, I do not want to do this. It was aggressive. I didn't like the environment. And yet when I was 16, I negotiated with my dad to be able to split the profits with him with seal coating. Right? Oh, wow. Okay. And then, uh, so 16 to 18, I did that. At this time, I'm in Wasilla, Alaska, and I leave and I go to Texas. Well, when I moved to Texas, I'm like, man, I'm not doing, I'm going to get a regular job. Like I want a regular job, right? So I get a job at Sprint. It was actually like a third-party authorized dealer, you know, the phone company. Okay. And Marcus, bro, I was making $8 an hour. I was making more at freaking 13 than I was when I got this. So I started selling cell phones 
And I worked my way up in a year and a half to be the manager of the store. I was the youngest manager in Dallas, Texas. Okay, okay. And by that time, not only was I was the youngest manager, I was also the lowest paid manager because I was so young and I so worked young. my way up. So I left that. At this point, I'm married. We had our first baby on the way. And I'm like, I need to make more money, right? I mean, on the outside, things are going well. I'm making pretty good money. But I was like, I need to do something else. So I go get a job at JP Morgan Chase. And very quickly, I joined the private client department. And that's basically managing money between $250,000 and $10 million. Okay. okay. So the department. I started in the store, like when you just walk into Chase. But I ended up in eight months moving into the private client sector. And long story short, man, I had a client and he made a $3 million deposit. Wow. And this mm -hmm. dude always answered the phone. You do sales. We do. Nobody answers the phone. Right. 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 So I call this guy up and I'm like, Hey man, like, first off, I want to let you know your deposit came in, you know, doing all the fun stuff. And I was like, you know, what do you do? What do you do? Right. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, he's like, well, you know, I've been in real estate since the eighties and we just flipped an apartment complex. So this is the proceeds from an apartment complex he flipped. So I was like, do you mind? Can I take you out to lunch? You know, I've already helped his mom move a bunch of money and I'd kind of helped the family. And he's like, okay. so we went out to lunch and he opened my whole mind to this whole game, right? You know, he just kind of gave me a taste, just the dream. And uh, from there, man, I went to a group that was called Lifestyles Unlimited in Dallas, Texas. It was mainly around rental properties. Okay. The guy gets up on stage and he goes, you know, I decided not to keep this house for a rental. So I wholesaled it and I made $18,000 in three hours. And I'm thinking, what? Right. How do you do that? Yeah. Like what? <laughs> if you can do that, come on, bro. Like what's going on? So I end up emailing the guy. He emailed me back, which was super cool. And uh, he pointed me to a guy named Sean Terry. And uh, Terry from right yeah, here. Big, like, yeah, um, the OG of the education stuff. So yeah. I read his free, he had at the time he had a free Kindle book. I read his Kindle book. I was like, I could do this. And then it was December 24th. I watched a webinar and it was for a $2,000 course at the time from him. And dude, I was going back and forth. Should I buy this? Is this even real? And it was about 11 o'clock at night. And I bought the $2,000 course. And three months later, man, I did my first deal for 3000 bucks was my first wholesale deal. Okay. I ordered direct mail. And once I got that first check, dude, it was like, this is real. Like this is yep. a real deal. You know what I'm saying? And I should have made like 30 grand on that first deal if I knew what I knew now, but I made huh? three grand. <laughs> it was good. And then, man, I was putting bandit signs in the evenings. I was taking appointments in the middle of the day. I was at work being like, I got to go see a client and doing a real estate deal on the side. And so- yep. That's how I got started, man. And just jumping in and couldn't let it go. I couldn't let it go from there. Perfect. Perfect. Now let's, let's talk about this because a lot of people get to that inflection point where they say, you know what? I want to do something different, but the cost of doing something different sometimes is a risk. So you had this opportunity. It was this $2,000 course by Sean Terry. Again, big ups to Sean Terry. I used to go to his meetups when I first started and actually, me and Brandon, his his once longtime acquisition person and fulfillment coaches. Now we're partnering on some stuff. But you were at this inflection point, $2,000. Do I pay for this course or do I not? Because I'm not sure if it's real. Is it real? What was all going through your mind at that time? And what actually made you pull the trigger? Yeah. So, man, in that time, like I watched this webinar, right? 
and I'm going through it and it's like counting down, like this deal is going away. Like I'm closing up and uh, you know, I understand how some of that stuff works now, but back then I'm just like, man, this is my opportunity. And so inside of me was like, this is my opportunity. Mm-hmm. And I shared with my wife and my wife's like, we ain't paying two grand. Right. <laughs> so for me, I had this moment where it was like, I want to do something different. Like this guy just told me you can make 18 grand. I mean, he didn't tell me he told this group. And then I saw this other guy that made $3 million. And I'm like, yo, if I can make, if I can turn this into 200,000, that's a little bit more than double what I'm making right now. Right. And then I'm thinking at 200,000 though, I'm thinking, dude, that's 10 deals. Right. So, and you know, I have a little bit of savings at this point. And so back and forth, I'm going back and forth and back and forth and should I do this? Should I not? Should I do this? Me and my wife were talking about it. And I think it was like 11 o'clock at night. And dude, you know how like you just roll the dice and you just have faith, you know, you're just like, let me just see what happens. Dude, I felt so nervous. Like my gut sank or my, like that pit in your stomach. And I just bought it. Okay. uh, I didn't know what I did. I didn't know if I just wasted two grand or what. But it was so nerve wracking because, you know, there's all kinds of things that go through your head. Is this a scam? Is it for me? Can I replicate it? Did I miss the boat? You know what I'm saying? Like maybe they're teaching this now because it doesn't work anymore, Mm -hmm. right? All these things were going through my mind. All of that negative self-talk. And that's what a lot of people go through, you know, in the beginning is a lot of negative self-talk because they don't believe in themselves, you know, I'll just be out front. They don't believe in themselves and they believe that, Hey, this person is doing it. They must know something. They must be doing something special or they must be connected with the right person or they have the money, but in all actuality, it's not. And you guys listening, Ronald is telling you that right now, Hey, he didn't have the money. He didn't have the belief. He just said, you know what? I'm going to take the shot. Absolutely. Well, and what I've learned since then, man, is like real estate is three things. And this is what that course, what it really digged into me is real estate is three things. It's knowledge. It doesn't matter if you're doing a $10 million deal or a $50,000 deal. It's knowing the right knowledge, knowing how to do it. Mm -hmm. It's the network of people you have around you. And it's getting in front of leads. If you're increasing your knowledge, if you're building your network and you're looking at houses or commercial buildings or whatever, you're going to win. And at that time, I didn't know that, right? I was just so nervous. And in your head, even people I'm talking to now with like the market and everything is what's going to happen. They start underperforming because they're in their head. Yep. And so guys, if there's anything, just take some action, just be consistent and have a good strategy and follow. If you don't know what that strategy is, follow, just do Mm -hmm. what they say to do until you get better results than what they're teaching and then start branching out. And so- there you go. Yeah, man. But that internal drive, I was so nervous, bro. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know if I could do it, but I knew one thing. I knew that I wanted, and this stuck with me until I finally hit it. I knew I wanted to be a millionaire. Okay. Like that, like I wanted, I wanted to travel. I wanted a better car. I wanted a nice house, right? At that point I was in a Mm -hmm. two bedroom apartment. You know, I'm in a 5,000 square foot house now. Okay. Like I wanted freedom to choose the things that I liked and to give my wife and to give my kids the life they wanted and to show them what it took to accomplish those goals. Like deep down, that's really what I wanted. And so that's what drove me through that uncertainty. And, and you know what, Ronald, it's when you talk about what you wanted and what you wanted to accomplish, 
and this is a misperception that a lot of people believe it wasn't to show everybody else, you know, Hey, look at what I got. It's a lot of times it's to prove to yourself, man, Ronald, you were able to accomplish everything that you wanted to do, you know, and it's giving your own self a pat on the back and showing your own self that you can do it. So a lot of people had this misperception where people go out and they buy these nice houses and these fancy cars, you know, to show off. A lot of times it's not to show off. It's to prove to themselves, hey, you know what? Everything that I knew inside of me that I could do, I was able to accomplish. Have you seen The Last Dance with Michael Jordan? I have. Yep. You know, in that thing, and I don't want to compare myself to Michael Jordan, so don't take that. But in that, yeah. Michael Jordan, he's not out to show, he's not trying to show the world that he's the best. Mm-hmm. Drove him was this inner, he, when people get in his face, he'd be like, oh, I'm going to show you. Like, this is, it, it was about him, right? right like, he right. needed to operate at his level. When he was around his teammates, he's like, dude, what are you doing? Put in the work. Like, we yep. need to get up here and win. And And I think that's a misconception. It's not so much, yo, it's not about these people. It's about, hey, man, what do you want? Like, who do you want to be? And what type of life do you want to live? And it's it's okay to be the underdog. It's okay to fail because it's about me proving to me. Exactly. And dude, I I think you're right on point. And I think that's why I I think real estate's a mental game because it's sometimes you look out all here and you see these people and you hear what they talk about and you're like, mean, could I do it? Am I that fake guy? Am I this? Yep. Am I that? Yep. It's like, no, man, just do you. Mm-hmm. Just do you. You got it. You got it. So, so you bought this, this $2,000 course, right? Yes. And what did you do? How did you get that first deal? So I ordered direct mail. Okay. I ordered straight up yellow letters. I didn't even do postcards. That was part of Sean Terry's thing. Yep. Well, he, I think he had postcards too back then, but he's like direct mail pieces get a much better response. And Mm-hmm. And so that's what I did. I ordered, I don't remember how many or, I ordered at that time, but I ordered direct mail and I set it up as a sequence. I think before I got my first deal, I had spent three, I I was five grand in before I closed my first $3,000. Okay. So I, I think I'd ordered around $3,000 worth of direct mail before I, I wholesaled my first deal. But what happened was I remember that first direct mail campaign went out. And I'm sitting at work and my phone was just buzzing in my pocket and I couldn't even answer it. Right. It's uh-huh. buzzing and buzzing and buzzing. And I finally get back home and I tell my wife, I'm like, I got to call all these people back. Yep. And that, so that's what I did. And that's, I actually did direct mail. I mean, literally I didn't start cold calling until I think 2017. Like okay. I did direct mail from then all the way up till 2017. And I started refining that process, what that looked like. I started figuring out the lists and all of that afterwards. But all I did was I just did direct mail. And I think I just pulled back then it was, I think it was call motivated sellers, I think. Okay. And it was just vacant properties is all I was direct mailing. Okay. That was all I knew to do. And so that's how I got my first deal. And 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 it's as simple as that. Follow the blueprint, follow right. the blueprint, you know, but you took the risk. You spent the $2,000, then you had to spend you know, the $5,000 in your marketing and everything like that. So a lot of people say, Hey, get into this with no money out of pocket, yada, yada, yada. I say, you know what? That's true to an extent yeah. because you got to have money to market, you know, even if it's going out, you know, doing some old school strategies of bandit signs, door knocking, stuff like that. It still costs, but simple enough. You just followed the blueprint 
and you, you right. said, okay, I'm following Sean Terry. This is the person I'm going to follow. And I followed the blueprint. And that's what I tell, you know, people that listen to this podcast, you don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel, just follow the blueprint. You know, if I laid out a blueprint, follow it. If Ronald laid out a blueprint, follow it or whoever, you know, that's successful, you know, at doing is just follow the blueprint. And what a lot of people do is, they want to get extra creative. Okay, well, they did this. I'm going to try and tweak it and make it this way. Guys, listen, just follow the blueprint. Ronald is Absolutely. telling you that. I'm telling you that. Absolutely. You know, and a real quick tip. So, you know, we're lucky to be in a world of social media, right? In yep. 2013, social media was so brand new. Like th there wasn't all this stuff out there, mm -hmm. right? And so, if you guys are looking to get started and you have, and you're watching this and you're like, man, how can I do my first deal? Here's what I want you to do. I want you to reach out to your local municipality and I want you to figure out what are the trash routes in your area. And on trash day, get up and drive the neighborhood the night before that trash day and write down all the addresses without a trash can out and then market to those. And, and what you could do is if you get deal machine, you can write down the address and you can just pull it, skip trace them and call them right there on deal machine or send them a postcard. Yeah, That's one of the best ways that I've gotten deals and helped other people get started. Call the municipality, figure out where the trash routes are, follow them. Every house that does not have a trash can out, hit them up and then do your first deal that way. That is a great way of getting started with just very, very, very little money, guys. And you can so, get your first deal. So let me ask you this, Ronald. I know the answer, but in case for those who don't know the answer, why are we looking for houses that don't have trash cans out? Uh, so houses that don't have trash cans out, most likely, sometimes people miss trash day, but most likely nobody lives there. There you go. And so that's a house that might be vacant, but it's not on a list that you pull on the internet, right? You don't go on the internet and pull a list. It might even look nice, right? You mm -hmm. might go through a neighborhood and you might be in a nicer neighborhood and it might look a little bit nicer. It might not have all the signs of distress. And so the idea is nobody lives at this house. And so they're not putting their trash out. And so you want to be able to hit those houses that are vacant, especially if it's a little bit nicer, or even if it's run down and distressed a little bit, how many people have their houses paid off anymore, right? Like yep. there's a huge yep. chunk of people, but if it's vacant and it's got a mortgage, that means someone's paying a monthly nut, which indicates mm -hmm. some sort of motivation. Yep. Yep. which you can get on the phone and you can talk to them and hopefully make them an offer. And then if you're, you know, as, as you come across, those people aren't being hit by multiple direct mail pieces. Right. They're not getting cold called by thousands of people. You know, all the things that are in our heads that we're scared of, you just reach out to them and now you're talking, you're able to offer a solution. So yep. I think that's what we want to focus on initially is let's just get that first deal under our belt. Yep. And, and a caveat to that, you know, you guys that's in colder climates in the Midwest or upper Northeast or something like that, go out there, you know, when it's a snow day, if the, uh, if the driveway isn't, isn't plowed or something like that, you know, that nobody's living there at that house. So one of the things here in Phoenix that we always tell people to do is, you know, drive around, like you said, on trash day, and also look for houses that have, a lot of grass growing up in the rocks and stuff like that. That that's an indication of distress. Okay. Absolutely. So great. That's a great pro tip right there, Ronald. All right. So 
you were doing these one and two deals and everything like that. Let's kind of pivot. Let's kind of see. Okay, so you you were doing a direct mail and everything up to 2017, 2018 or so, you started with the cold calling. Why did Definitely. you decide to pivot? Um, so a big reason I decided to pivot is my marketing budget was just getting higher and higher, right? Direct mail, you have a hard cost and there's not yep. a follow-up mechanism. Yep. And so for me, even though my business at that time was consistent, the way I was doing direct mail and, uh, you know, people can judge me, but it's my story is I had three, I think I had four at that time. I had four acquisition coordinators and I was ordering direct mail for each person individually. Okay. Mm, so it okay. wasn't one piece of direct mail coming to the company and they handle it. It was like, this one's for Bryant. This one's for Anthony. This one's for David. And this one's for Kay. Okay? okay. And so they each had their own segment of direct mail pieces and they were coming into them. And so I was ordering each acquisition coordinator, their own direct mail. Well, as I was doing that, I was having to, every time I hired somebody, I had to fill their pipeline with leads the way I okay. was doing it. And so yeah. Sitting here ordering, like I know guys have done massive amount, like higher than me, but I was, dude, I was spending so much money on direct mail, right? Mm -hmm. And then I've got a new guy and I've got a more experienced guy, and I felt like all these opportunities were falling through. And then I had to mail them again and then mail them again to keep the lead flow coming in. So I pivoted, actually, I started with ringless voicemail. Okay. And my idea was I'm going to, I'm going to hit ringless voicemail and they're going to come in. And I'm just going to blow up my guys' phones so they can work deals. Well, if you've ever sent out like 3,000 ringless voicemails at one time, you know, it's like a bomb goes off, right? Like it's just yeah. like, boom, your phone just explodes. You can't even talk to one person. Five more people call. Yep. And uh, anyway, it didn't work. The guys are like, dude, these leads suck. suck. Do not yep. stop, right? So then I hired a lady to take all the ringless voicemail calls. And the idea was that it would be a filter and then it would pass on. Well, that filter ended up being a roadblock and I spent like $13,000 and I didn't do one deal. Wow. And so I was like, man, I, I just, let's just stop. So I cut the whole system off and I decided to start just taking those leads that I had skipped trace and I'd gotten their phone numbers for. Mm -hmm. And I decided to just get some cold callers. And so that's what I did. I got some cold callers and I've learned a lot from cold callers over the years. I've had a ton. I've fired a lot and I've hired a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, but what happened was those cold callers created a predictable intake of leads that we could hit over and over again. Yep. And so what we started doing is we started cold calling. And then I put my cold callers on all of the past leads for direct mail as well. And so mm -hmm. I had cold callers calling new leads from lists and I had them calling my old direct mail follow-ups yep. and, and then they would turn and put that in the podio. And then my acquisition team would just pick up anybody who said they were interested. And that was my start to cold calling. And what it did, a lot of people are struggling with consistency. And although I agree that you should get into cold calling yourself, you should figure out what it's like to jump yep. on the phone and cold call. Cold calling is hard, right? It takes courage. Yeah. I like to tell people like the good thing about cold calling is it builds courage and confidence in you, but you got to step up to the plate and you got to be willing to do it for like four hour segments. Yep. And if you can do it for four hour segments, you're going to get two leads, right? Well, if you mm -hmm. get two leads in a four hour segment, it takes about 50 leads to get a deal. 
Yeah. Right. So you're talking about cold calling for weeks. And so people are like, how do I get deals? It's you're just not doing enough, right? You're not consistent enough. And so what that allowed me to do is it created this consistent output of leads from my acquisition coordinators that I could hit over and over again. And it also allowed me to tag into follow-up, which then gradually led me to having cold calling as our primary system. And I pulled back on direct mail. And now I just do tailored direct mail to very okay. specific lists. And so, but that's why I love cold calling is because it it creates a predictability in business that a lot of the other strategies you can get, but you can create that predictability at the lowest entry point of, as far as cost. Yep. So piggyback off of what you're saying, similar story for me. We started out with direct mail, doing a bunch of direct mail. And the cost has started to increase and increase and increase. And like you said, you send out a direct mail piece. You got to send out another one for follow-up. You got to send out another one and then another one, you know, and that cost has kept going up. But one of the things that I heard you say, you know, throughout that, throughout that segment was trial and error. You know, you was trying some things. It didn't work. You said, okay, I'm going to try this. I'm going to go, you know, so guys, that's why I always want you to listen to these podcasts. This is the reason why I always want you to, you know, follow us on, follow me on YouTube and everything like that, because we don't want you to have to go through as much trial and error and spend $13,000 like Ronald. I'm guilty of it too. You know, I'd spent money trying things out and it just didn't work out, but we want to make sure we provide you with that predictability. Like Ronald said, if cold calling is working, then focus on that dig into that, dial into that. Just as an example, I've been dialing into our cold call and looking at, okay, pulling every cold call for every hour, every day. So I know, okay, what's the best hour that we get the most amount of connections and what's the best day to get the most amount of connections. That way I don't have a cold caller calling on a day or an hour where we're not getting that many connections. So it's always refinement and fine tuning. Would you agree, Ronald? I would hundred percent agree. You know, one of the things I found is I started seeing this trend that we would get like absolutely nothing like Mondays until like 2 PM, right? Like Mondays were just like a dead day. Even when I look back at the days I got contracts, Monday mornings were just it never happened. Nothing. Yep. And so, and I started looking at other, other big wholesalers and you'll see them like their office doesn't even come in until like 1 PM on Mondays. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden I'm like, man, success leaves clues, right? Like yep. what am yep. I doing? I need to stop waste. So I switch. And so like now a lot of my networking and a lot of my connections, I do Mondays simply because I don't do that. And then my cold callers, guess what I do? they don't call Monday mornings. I ship that. (laughs) And so they call Saturdays, but then they Mm -hmm. skip that Monday morning. And then we do the evenings on Mondays. And so absolutely, man, I I think understanding what people are doing and being able to look at your own trends and go from there. But before that, guys, if you're not there yet, if you're not doing consistent, just get consistent first. You have to, you have to take action first and then you look at the trends because you have no trends, trends right? Right. you have no trends until you actually are consistent. 
And so Absolutely. once you get there, then you can then you can start making tweaks. But there will always be an element of trial and error and our ability, Marcus, to just be okay with that, to be okay that I'm going to fail even now, right? Like it's awesome being on camera and it's awesome doing the podcast and all that. But you know what? When I'm on the phone with a seller, the seller doesn't get a rip who I can. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> right. it's really, and so guys, we're all in the same boat. When you're talking to it or you're, you're, you're an acquisition guy or you're a cold caller, it's just about finding your difference, not what's better or worse, but who are you and what value do you provide? And just, just coming to them and trying to help them out in their situation. That's so very true. So very true. So Ronald, let me ask you this. So tell me about this, this connection that you had with an attorney, because you were doing, you were doing things independently. It was just you, you and your team, you guys were doing some things and you were at, you started to plateau. What, what, what was that relationship that took you over the top? Yeah. So, so what happened was, is I got a, I was putting out bandit sites, right? I was that guy running the four corners, hammering the stuff in the ground, looking for the code department. Right. Mm -hmm. One time I, I, put out a, like 70 bandit signs and I was coming down the street and there's the freaking code department picking up my signs literally <laughs> right after I put them out. I'm like so pissed. Anyway. Yep. So I get a call one day and this guy calls me and he pitches me on this idea of like, yo, do you get houses where they're fully renovated or houses you can't buy because they owe too much? And, and I'm like, yeah, he's like, well, come, come to my office and I'll show you how to capitalize on those. We can, we can buy your dead leads. I was like, okay. And he, he started throwing around terms like subject to and owner financing. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, cool. So, so he, it was like a Friday afternoon, which was so dumb. Cause I worked at that point. So I, I literally took a day off and I did Friday, Saturday, and he did a little two day get up meet up. It was like me and six other guys. There wasn't very many of us. Okay. And, and so this isn't the attorney. This is at this point, this is his partner. Okay. Okay. And he starts pitching owner financing and why it's so good. And he has this pull out a financial calculator and we're running numbers and he's sharing the strategy. And I'm sitting there and I'm running these numbers on owner financing and I'm playing with this financial calculator. And luckily for me, I'd, I'd been good at math. So math was kind of my strong suit already. So I'm running the numbers and I'm playing around with these mortgages. And I realized these, this arbitrage and these spreads, right? That you know, the mm-hmm. underlying mortgage payment is a thousand and I can sell it. It'll rent for 1700. And so if I do a wrap, I can have a $700 cash flow. Yep. Well, if I have an interest spread, that means over a couple of years, I can make 40, 50, 60, $80,000. Like what? And I don't have to bring any money. Right. So in my mm-hmm. mind, my mind just like blows. I'm barely even listening to the guy. And I stop, I ask him a question. I don't remember what I did. And we're going back and forth. Well, I went from that meeting I basically went back to all my direct mail and I called everybody back. Like literally I called everybody back. Uh And the question I asked him was, Hey, would you sell for what you owe? That was my question back then. Right. Hey, if I could buy it for what you owe, would you sell it to me? And uh, that's a good, that's a, I got to stop you right there, Ronald. That's, that's a good way to introduce that seller financing or subject to. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because if they owe a mortgage too high and they're just, they don't want to bring money to the table. Hey, would you sell for what you owe? And uh, I got a number of people say yes. 
Dude, my first, I actually, on my YouTube channel, if you go to my YouTube channel, it's, I actually didn't get a lot of views on it, but it's how $150 seafood dinner made me 60 grand. That was my first sub two deal ever. Wow. And I got the whole story there on YouTube. You guys check it out. But it's basically to boil in a nutshell, I met him at eight o'clock. I didn't leave his house till 2.30 in the morning, that seller. And wow. negotiated it. And the final thing was I agreed to buy him Papado. In that, he signed the deal. I'm calling uh, that guy who taught that course, who's partners with the attorney. I'm calling him at two o'clock in the morning. Like I blew him up. I woke him up. I was like, yo, I need help going through this contract. It's like 40 pages. Uh -huh. So he walks me through it. We're sitting there. I get it all signed. And uh, that was a $600 cash flow deal. We brought five grand to the table and uh, just took it over straight sub two. Anyway, after that one, I brought six more deals to the table. We did seven deals in one month. Wow. And that was the most I'd ever done. And so they took me out to lunch, him and the attorney at that time, and they offered me a partnership. And from there, I had a choice. I could either keep doing it on the side by myself or the attorney had been doing it for 25 years. He'd bought in like, he closed over 10,000 subject to transactions in Texas. Mm -hmm. And I made the choice. I took the leap and I went full-time November 2013, I went full-time into real estate and that, that was when the rocket fuel happened. So okay. that's when, that's when we took off, man. From there, it was 18. I was with them 18 months. Um, we basically taught wholesalers, just like I learned, we taught wholesalers how to do owner financing. And in turn, I was the guy who went out and met, like it wasn't that partner and it wasn't the attorney, Scott. It was mm -hmm. me. I went out to the seller's houses. I sat down and I negotiated the deals whenever those wholesalers brought them. And uh, we bought, I, it's either 123, 127. I don't remember the exact number, but in okay. that 18 month period. Um, and wow. we went, we went nuts, man. It was, it was a fun time. So, so did that attorney, was he keeping those houses for like his portfolio? Were you guys just holding them or were you retrading them? Yeah. So what we were doing is, so it was the, our company that we split, it was the three of us. Mm -hmm. And so we were pulling them in and then we we're turning and selling them on a wrap. So we we're taking okay. the underlying loan and we were selling it to another homeowner at a new term. And that was wrapping the underlying loan that yeah. we were doing. So if we bought it, so for you guys out there, so if we bought it for a hundred grand at 5% interest, and that payment was a thousand dollars a month, we were turning around and selling it for easy math, 150 grand at 10% interest for $1,800 a month. And we'd have an $800 cash flow. And then whatever money was the down payment versus the down payment we gave the underlying lien, that was our upfront cash. Okay. And then we were splitting those deals with the partners that were coming in. So we were doing where we would just give people the whole amount of cash up front. They could keep that and we'd keep the back end. We're splitting it, you know, 25, 25, you know, 2575, whatever that looked yep. like, we were doing a bunch of deal splits, but we were holding them. And then on the back end, once we wrapped them, uh, we'd let them season. And then mm -hmm. once they got seasoned, this was towards the end of that partnership, we'd actually sell the notes. Okay. So we'd turn around and sell those notes to a couple of different banks that we were familiar with. Okay. Gotcha. So just to clarify and go through it guys, because this is something creative. And for you, those of you that are just getting started, really look into this. So for example, Roger, let's just go through it one more time. You had a homeowner that owed a hundred grand. They said, yep, I'll sell for a hundred grand. They had a 3% 
interest on that hundred grand. You said, okay, we'll buy it for what you owe. You would turn yep. around and then create something new to sell it to another buyer for 150 grand at 10% interest. You guys will get the delta between the three and the 10, which is the seven. So you guys will get the 7% interest every month on that note. Plus you will get like the 50K up front because, well, if you, well, it all depends on what you had the the new buyer to come in at as a down payment. So let's just say that down payment was 20K. So you guys will walk away with 20K plus the 7% interest and you have a note for 130 and you still have the note for the seller at 100. Correct, correct. That, that's absolutely right. And what happens is over time, as you're paying down that underlying mortgage, that underlying mortgage is oftentimes paying down faster than the one you have. And so your equity is getting more and more over time, which yeah. is really, really cool, guys. And, and that's where when you start looking at creative deals, it just is another tool in your tool belt. It's a little bit more complicated, right? There's there, It's like a watch. You got gears mm -hmm. that are moving that are a little bit more. But once you understand it, you're just like, oh, that's how it ticks. Boom, yep. boom, boom. And you can yep. put it in place. So let me ask you this, because this is one of the questions that people always ask. Well, why would somebody want to sell for what they owe? Especially, let's let's put it this way, especially if it's a like a landlord or somebody that owned the property, they have a tenant in the property, the tenant is paying X and you say, okay, well, I'll pay for what you owe. Why would, why would somebody be interested in that? So, so the number one thing is that I, I like to tell people who ask me this question is you're trying to put yourself and understand why a seller, like why you would do that. And you got to remember that you are not them. Mm -hmm. right? Like you, your situation is different than our seller's situation. And so a lot of times it might not make sense to you initially, right? But you also tend, or at least I tended, let me put it this way. I tended to think, why would this person sell this $150,000 house for a hundred grand? Yeah. When in reality, the house is not worth 150,000. The house is only worth 150,000 after someone spends, manages, does the construction mm -hmm. of $35,000 or $40,000, right? And yeah. so now they get to avoid a lot of this headache, which if you guys have done flipping, or if you ask a flipper, ask them about that process. What does it look like to flip a house? Ask them about horror stories. Ask them about managing contractors. Have they ever been ripped off? And what yeah. this will do is you'll start to understand what is facing the seller in front of them to get this value and you'll be able to isolate where you can really help. So in your question, why would a seller sell on terms or why would they do creative financing? One, they owe more on the mortgage than the home is worth or that they would be able to net. So if the home is only worth 120, but they have a mortgage of 110, they were to turn around and list that on the market they have to bring money to the table right, and they the don't table. want to do that. Yep. So that's number one. Number two is seller financing. If you want to look at it from an investor, investor standpoint, who makes the most money in the world? The banks. Mm -hmm. So the seller can maximize the amount of sale price they get by setting terms for us. Why do we want to buy it? Because we don't have to go to the bank. We don't have to yep. get our credentials looked at. We're looking for an arbitrage between 
that payment and what we can rent it for. So why wouldn't the why wouldn't the people want to hold it as a rental? Well, you've got management, you've got the underlying payment, you've got repairs that you have to do, right? All of these things are headaches. And, and what I like to say is you don't need money to buy real estate, but you do need to bring value. Right. And value can come in one of three ways, or actually it can come in a variety of ways, but it can come with money. You can bring money to the table to bring value. It can come with management. It could become with finding the deal. It could become with managing the deal, bringing the contractors, bringing the knowledge, bringing the time. There's lots of things that are valuable. And sometimes, guys, people are just beat up. I've been beat up, right? I've had a, yep. I've had headache properties where it's like, dude, if you could just take that off my hands, yep, I would yep. be so grateful. <laughs> I, I don't want to deal with that anymore. Yeah, it's funny how sometimes the table turns and you end up being a motivated seller. You're like, you know what? I'm just done with this. I'm tired of it. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I bought one. I thought it was going to be my best deal ever. I think it was 2017. I bought a deal. She called me the Friday before, there was Thursday before 4th of July. 4th of July was on Tuesday and it was going to foreclosure on the 4th of July. Okay. And, mm-hmm. or no, 4th of July was on Monday and it was going to foreclosure on Tuesday. That's how it was set up. And I told her, I was like, I can buy it, but I'm buying it without title insurance. And so I have a lot of risk. Yeah. So I was like, I'll close on it. We won't go through a title company. I've got an attorney in house. We can, I can make all this happen. Right. She's like, okay. And I gave her my price and it was going to be like $140,000 profit for me. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was emotional. She was crying. She's like, can't you do more? I was like, unfortunately with the situation, this is what it looks like. I dude, I thought I was going to. I thought I was going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Come to find out, I close the deal the next day. I close it. I take title. I bring the mortgage current. I'm in at this point. I think it was like 40,000 bucks, a little less than 40,000. The next week I find out she has a, it was either an IRS or a tax lien. Oh my God. Some for around $90,000. Okay. Ouch. So I made like 18 grand on that deal. But if I didn't buy it so deep because I didn't have a title process, dude, I got into that deal. I was so nerd. I had money. I had money in it, this tax thing. And there was a tax process that was like already well into it. Guys, I became a motivated seller. I I started calling all my buyers. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. (laughs) We need to close like now. And so the tables turn. There's things that happen that create motivation. But yeah, the wholesale process, guys, the wholesale, the subject to... I have sold properties, not on seller financing, not just to homeowners. I've sold investment deals to other investors on seller financing with balloons. I have sold houses at wholesale to other investors. And back and forth, there's lots of benefits to this game. And so don't ever get caught up in that mindset of, do I really, am I just ripping people off? No, people have different situations that you provide a solution to. Yep. Man, Ronald, we didn't even, we forgot to take a break, man, because this has been so good. So <laughs> that's let's, awesome. Let's, yeah. Let's take, let's take a brief break here. Word from our sponsors. When we come back, we'll put Ronald on the hot seat and ask him some detailed questions. So let's pause, take a break and we will be right back. PropString is the industry's number one tool for locating distressed properties and connecting with highly motivated sellers with hundred percent coverage across the U S PropStream provides a deep dive into any property-specific details, making it easy to generate lists of distressed properties and contact to the owners. No other product or service can compare. 
gain access to MLS property details like expired listings. You can pull accurate comps, even sale prices in non-disclosure states. This information is typically reserved for licensed real estate professionals, but is also available to you in PropStream. Gain access to unlimited nationwide property search, comparable home sales, targeted marketing lists, and owner contact lookup, built-in marketing tools, hundreds of filters to search and sort leads. Start your free seven-day trial now by going to proud.propstreampro.com slash we love it. Are you tired of seeing others becoming successful real estate investors and you just don't know where to start? You see all the Instagram posts of others being successful. You see the Facebook ads guaranteeing instant success. You look at tons of YouTube videos and you even attend seminars just to be tricked into 10, 20, or even $30,000 courses. Well, with the Deal Finders Club, my husband is here to change things for you. Have you said to yourself, I'm deadly afraid to talk to sellers and I have no confidence. I don't know where to find motivated sellers. I don't know where to get a contract from. I don't know how much to offer the seller, let alone where I'm going to get the money from to close the deal. Well, in the Deal Finders Club, Marcus and his partner, Mike, are going to show you how to overcome all those challenges and more. Find out how by going to azdfc.com. That's azdfc.com. We'll see you inside. All right, guys, we are back with Ronald Walker. We we have to apologize, man. Me and Ron was just, just talking and going and going, and we forgot, you know, that we needed to take a break. We didn't want to take a break. So hopefully you guys are getting a lot out of this like we are. So, Ronald, let's, let's put you on a hot seat, man. Let's put Ronald on a hot seat. So, Ronald, starting over, man, what would you do differently? Uh, so if I was starting over and, and and let's say I lost everything and I was kicking up from the beginning, here's here's what I would do. I would find the best wholesaler in town or the best real estate investor in town. And I would go to him and say, what are you trying to accomplish? What are you most excited about? And I would shadow him. I would get to know that guy and I would do everything I could to add value to him. And, and this is assuming I have no money, you know, everything's happened. Mm-hmm. I would shadow him and I would learn as much as possible and add as much value to him because we said earlier, real estate's three things. It's knowledge, it's network, and it's leads, right? Yep. This guy, I've got knowledge already if I have what I have right now. Yep. If I didn't, I can learn more from him, but I failed for a variety of reasons and I may or may not know it. I would be trying to create a rock star relationship, connecting with him, doing value until I could get myself up. And then I would either go on my own or I'd help take him to the next level to achieve my goals. Okay, perfect, perfect. And then, you know, what's what's a good book recommendation? I see you got a nice, expansive library behind you, man. Thank you. Yeah, this is this is one. I've actually got another bookshelf right here. Okay. And, and upstairs, we actually have a library. That's our actual library. So we, we are a book connoisseur family. But- So I got two recommendations. One, if you're brand new and you're brand new to entrepreneurship and you're jumping out on yourself, it is The Laws of Success by Napoleon Hill. So a lot of people have read or look at Think and Grow Rich, which is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. But Think and Grow Rich is a smaller course off of his main work, which is The Law of Success, which a lot of people don't know. But the law of success is probably the number one most impactful book for me early on. It's actually this shelf right here is my my favorite books. 
and it's those four volumes right there on the on the bottom so that's number Perfect. one and then um if you wanted a second book if you wanted a second book i think i have one right here which is along the same lines it's not real estate my favorite guy to watch on youtube is patrick bet david 25 laws of doing the impossible this is my number one gifted book that I gift people. I've got okay. like 20 copies right here. And uh, this book is amazing. It teaches you how to recreate yourself and it teaches you how to, you know, create the habits and go to the next level as you're going uh, to be entrepreneurs. So those are perfect. my two recommendations. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Now, Ronald, tell us about your YouTube channel, your course, you know, how people can find you and, and possibly work with you. Absolutely. So if you, if you look me up on YouTube, you can go to Ronald Walker. You can also type in forged to win. I've got two podcasts. I've got the real estate power play podcast, and I have the forged to win podcast. You can look me up both on those. And then if you go to my website, which is ronaldwalker.com, I have a completely free course. Basically it's everything that I wanted to learn going into it. It's everything. When I first got started, it's basically that first course I paid $2,000 for. It's completely free. You can go on there, you sign up, you get a login, and there's a whole bunch of resources in there. It just launched about four weeks ago at this point, the recording. Okay. And then if you guys want to be part of the Founders Package, there's some additional really cool stuff in there. And then I'm launching what's called the Investor. I'm calling it the, I, it's basically Investor Launch to help okay. people go from you know a few deals and being inconsistent and to create the marketing, to create a consistency. And if you guys are interested in that, you can just message me on Facebook and or my Instagram. You can do it there as well. Okay. And then lastly, before we wrap up, Ronald, give our listeners some words of encouragement, especially those that are a little nervous about jumping out there, getting started, or those that are doing those onesie twosies and saying, you know what, am I missing something? How come I'm not just going to the next level? Yeah. So guys, I like to say that real estate's a mind game right? A lot of times we sit around and we worry. And, uh, you know, I, I've heard it said that white space on the calendar is the devil. And, uh, and the reason why it's the mm. devil is you're like, why is nothing going on? Why is it? What's going on? Maybe I'm not good. Maybe I'm this. And if you're having all those thoughts, guys, here's the formula. Okay. If you get leads and you skip tracing them, you're doing cold calling, you want to make 40, just do that 40 calls a day and 150 texts a day. 40 calls, 150 texts, do that over the next month and turn it to a number. Instead of it being like, am I working? Am I doing this? Put a number to it. Do 40 calls and 150 text messages. And no matter how you feel, if you can do that every single day, if you get a triple line dialer, do more, right? If you want to hire a cold caller, hire a cold caller to get leads and then talk to those. But if you do 40 calls a day, that's 250 a week and 150 text messages a day, you'll be on the right track. You create a level of consistency at a massive action. I, I, I still do this. I know this was big for a long time, but I still do this. I got my 10X journal, Grant mm -hmm. Cardone. And what this does, it keeps my goals in front of me. And it gives me, man, these are, this is what I accomplished today. This is what I want to do today. Here are my numbers. Yep. And, and it gets in front of, so guys, turn that worry into an actionable number that's a behavior and uh, make it calls and text messages. And uh, if you hit those every day, even if you don't get a deal right away, you'll know that you're working towards it. Oh. And the more seeds you plant, all of a sudden one will sprout from a location you weren't familiar with and you'll be able to harvest that seed. And that could be 
10 grand. That could be five grand. That could be 70 grand. You never know what it's going to be. But those types of numbers that we're dealing with here in real estate, no matter how hard it is, I, they, it changes your life, right? Yeah. Even, even guys, guys I, I talk to a lot of guys that are in this business and they'll struggle for two months or they'll, they'll go two months and they won't do a deal when they were used to doing three to 10 deals consistently and they'll waste all this money. And they're like, oh man, what am I doing wrong? What's this? What's... And all of a sudden, boom, they do a $82,000 yeah. deal and it like makes up all of the, all the stuff yeah. back. No matter where you're at, one solid deal can can set things in a trajectory that will literally change your life and give you that freedom that deep down you really want. So don't give up. Keep at it. The business works. All right. Well, thank you so much, Ronald. I appreciate you being on the show. Thank you for your words of encouragement. Thank you for all the technical tips and tidbits that you shared today because it was a lot of quality content in here today. So you guys know what to do take the action, take the information, turn it into action, and let's turn that into some success. So it's Marcus Maloney. Thank you, Ronald. Thank you, Marcus. This has been a pleasure, man. All right. Signing off, guys. Join us for the next episode of the We Love Equity Real Estate Show. All right, guys, that was Ronald Walker, who hails from the Michigan, great state of Michigan. So few things there. Again, we just got to going, we got going, got going. I think I found a brother. <laughs> so, but he, one of the things that he, he touched on that I was really excited was he said three things that you need to have in real estate. You got to have knowledge, you got to have a network and you got to have leads. You have those three things. You'll be able to navigate your way, navigate your way through the real estate investors industry. So knowledge, network, and leads. And then another thing he said was trial and error. You gotta, you gotta have that trial and error. You gotta take the fear out of it. You gotta look at the numbers and say, okay, what are the numbers telling me? And then that's the decision that I go with. So he took the risk, spent the $2,000, got the course, then took the risk, spent money on his marketing and everything like that. And guess what? His first deal didn't even cover the cost of the course or the cost of the marketing. He was upside down by four grand, spent five on the marketing plus two on the course, and he made three grand on his first deal. So he was upside down four grand. But guess what that first deal and those other deals taught him, taught him how to continue doing this business, how to get into creative strategies, he started building his network. And now just think about it, him being upside down four grand was one of the greatest investments that he ever made. So I'm saying all of that to tell you, get ready because things are about to change for you and your real estate career. Stop being a, I wanna and start being a doer. So with that being said, I want to see you. I want you to engage with me. So make sure you give us a five-star review on this podcast. Come on over to our YouTube channel, MRCS Maloney, doing more educational information there for you. Come on, join me on Instagram at MRCS Maloney. Tons of content there for you, not only from me, but from, you know, our RIA network, from my partners, associates. So there's a lot of things out there for you, but you have to be a part of the family. So come on, friend us, like us, 
be committed to us, subscribe to us, and we'll take you where you need to go. So it's Marcus Maloney. And remember, always enjoy the journey. Thank you for listening to today's show. I picked up some great actionable items and I'm sure you did as well. If so, let me know. You can always reach me via social media at facebook.com slash MRCS Maloney, Twitter at MRCS Maloney, and of course, IG at MRCS Maloney. You can also always reach me via email at mmaloney at equityri.com. Make sure you reach out to our guest as well. You can always find their contact information in the show notes below. If you have not subscribed already, what are you waiting for? Join the family. And while you're at it, leave us a five-star review. This is how we tell if we're providing you with what you need for your journey. If there's someone you would like for me to interview, or if there's a subject matter you would like for me to cover, please let me know. Finally, if you're looking for additional information about real estate investing, go to equityrealestateblog.com, also youtube.com slash Marcus Maloney. Until next time, family, always enjoy the journey.